Basketball, Tight, Solid, Vancouver, and Apollo Ghosts. And a live special screening of the final video episode of Mental Beast. As well as CITR's own Radio Zero DJs, Tyler Fedchuk and Cam Dales. So join CITR and Mental Beast at the Biltmore on December 18th. Proceeds from the Mental Beast Project, an eggnog experience compilation album, will be donated to the Vancouver Food Bank.
listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And it's time right now for the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there, Real Thing by the Pointed Sticks. And today on the Nardwar to Human Serviette Radio Show, an interview with Nick Jones from The Pointed Sticks, who are playing this weekend, tomorrow, at the Rio Theatre in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Coming up right now, though, is a band called The Dish Rags that were so good, The Pointed Sticks covered their song, Death in the Family. So we're going to hear The Dish Rags with Death in the Family. After that, we're going to hear The Pointed Sticks from 2007 when they reunited in 2007 and played in Japan. And we're going to hear them doing True Love. And right after that, we're going to hear a brand new track by The Pointed Sticks from our brand new CDLP. They'll be releasing tomorrow. Actually, it's out right now. It was out November 1st, but that they'll be selling tomorrow at the Rio Theatre in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Three lefts make a right, and we're going to hear the song Sentimental Fool. And in an interview with Nick Jones from The Pointed Sticks, all on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show.
Okay, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna introduce you to these guys in the van here, and I'm just gonna say if it's 25 years before you see us again, we'll all be coming on stage in Zimmer frames. So. Okay, on the keyboards, Mr. Dash Ham. On the bass guitar, Santa's Bad Elf, Mr. Tony Bardak. On the drums, come here. Hello. I'm still prettier than him, though. On the drums, Mr. Ian Tiles. And the maestro of the lead guitar. And the man who wrote this song, Mr. Bill Napier Hemi. The song is called True Love is Breaking My Heart.
Jones from the Pointed Sticks. Welcome to the Nardwarna Human Serviette Radio Show, Nick Jones with the Pointed Sticks. Oh, thank you, Nard. Now, I called you off the air as I've just transferred you on air here, live on CITR, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Sergeant Nick. So, do you also go by Sergeant Nick Penis? What's the connection between Sergeant Nick Penis, Rude Norton, and the Pointed Sticks? Well, Sergeant Nick Penis was actually the estimable Mr. Randy Rampage, and that was uh, one of uh, one of Bud Luxford's stable of fine acts that he was uh, working in the uh, in the early 1980s, along with Rude Norton, who was another one of his bands, and uh, the Melody Pimps, and you know a few others. So, and you played in Rude Norton, didn't you? I was the drummer in Rude Norton, correct? Well, Steve Ruffhauser was the drummer in Rude Norton, but some people think it was me. So, and what's really interesting, Nick Jones, about Rude Norton is you have a brand new CD out with the pointed sticks, don't you? A brand new CD with the pointed sticks. Three lefts make a right. Yes, correct. We have a brand new CD. And a gig happening tomorrow afternoon and evening at the Rio Theater. That's correct. The Rio Theater tomorrow afternoon is an all-ages show with uh, Pretty Vanilla and the fabulous, at least I've heard that they are, the Evaporators. I think you may be familiar with them. And then the evening show has some more opening acts as well. The evening show has the amazing Strange Magic, who, if you haven't seen or heard them yet, are something else, and the pounding garage rock of the TVs, who we will all enjoy very much as well. And it's very cheap, too, isn't it, Nick, of the Point of Sticks, playing tomorrow night at the Rio Theater and in the afternoon at the Rio Theater? We made it as cheap as possible. The Real Theater, we have to bring everything with us, all the production, all the sound, and all the lights. So the afternoon show is $15. We gave a little bit of a break for the younger folks, and the evening show is $20. And the tickets were only available, or are only available, through Zulu, Bone Rattle, Scratch, Red Cat, and At the Door of the Real. Although I'm thinking if you want to attend the evening show, you would probably want to buy your tickets in advance, because I think there's not very many left. And save some money, too, for the vinyl and CD. You got vinyl and CD. I'm saying, like, you have CD because hardly anybody does CDs anymore. Well, the reason we did a CD mainly was so we could mail it out to the radio stations, um, too, because a lot of the radio stations don't have the format to play vinyl anymore. And some people just want the CD because they have it's a, it's a matter of habit for them. But the vinyl is really our treasure in this whole, this whole thing because, obviously, the point of sticks of being of the age that we are, we grew up in a vinyl age, and a vinyl record was a much different thing than a CD, you know? It wasn't like track seven or track nine. It was like the first song on side one or the last song on side one or the first song on side two. So putting together a side of music was, was, was something. You know, you didn't just put all of your songs in a row and just trust that the good ones would come out. You had to think about the order that you put them in. So we sort of, when we made this whole this new record, as we like to call it, we thought of it in those terms, in terms of a vinyl record, right from the very beginning, the order of the songs, the nature of the songs, everything. And may I say one more thing? So when you buy the vinyl record, you get the beautiful vinyl experience, but there's also a card inside the vinyl record that entitles you to a download of the record as well. So you get the download and the vinyl when you buy the vinyl. What's the most expensive Pointed Sticks record? Because a lot of your records are pretty collectible, and that's why I want to go right back to the beginning when I mentioned Rude Norton, a band you participated in, Nick Jones of the Pointed Sticks. Rude Norton 7-inches go for, I think, even more money than Pointed Sticks 7-inches. They're much rarer. Uh, the Pointed Sticks singles, I think there was somewhere between, somewhere between two and 4,000 of each one of those singles made. I think probably the most were made of probably Out of Luck, the real thing. And I think that was about 4,000. But the Root Norton, the original 
original Rude Norton EP, there's only 300 of them, and I would really, I would venture to guess that probably less, but there's probably less than 100 that still exist. And how much have you seen those selling for? I've seen them for like a couple hundred bucks. Yeah, I think I saw 150 one time was the highest I saw it go. So, but the highest, I must say, the highest I've ever seen a local single go for was the original single of Death to the Sickoids by the Subhumans, which I saw go on eBay for $350. I saw it for $500 on the wall at Zulu Records. Five hundred dollars. Did you have one in your collection at all, Nick Jones? I have one of those in my collection, and I also have probably about three of the Rude Norton EPs as well. Already okay. for retirement, in case you need retirement. And you're not retiring, and people should also know, and I love the way you describe these point-of-sticks gigs as, these are reenactments, aren't they? Reenactments. And actually, if people are listening to CITR, and they're long-time listeners of CITR, they may go, what? Point-of-sticks gigs? No, they are really happening. The point is, you're back. You're back again. These reenactments are happening tomorrow night. And in the I afternoon. Say, I would say the first gig was, the first gigs were really reenactments because of the first gigs we were just playing our old material. But after, you know, there's a limit to that. I mean, you don't want to come back and just end up at the Red Robinson Show Theater playing your hits from 1978 or whatever. I mean, that didn't really appeal to us, and we were never going to make any money doing that. Not that we were in it to make any money, but that just didn't, from an aesthetic point of view, that seems boring to us. So... They reached a point where we decided that if we were, we had had so much fun being back together again, that if we were back together again, the only way that it was going to continue to be interesting for us was if we created something new. And you got back together, and now Root Norton are back together. They played the other week at the Beale Family Benefit. The Root Norton got back together. Well, for me, it's hard to see it being as Rude Norton without Mr. Ed Norton. But, uh, you know, I wish Rory Washtock the best of luck with his new Rude Norton, although I'm not involved in it. And, of course, Mr. Ed Norton himself, the leader of Rude Norton, is sadly no longer with us. But it was great that they participated in the Beale family benefit, a benefit for the Beale family. And speaking of benefits and stuff, how is Scotty Hart? And who is Scotty Hart? And can we get an update on that? Because I know you, Point of Sticks, were heavily involved in hard stock. Hard stock. It was that, well, Scotty Hard... Scott Harding was an original member. I believe he was in uh, he was in uh, AKA, possibly not AKA, but Rhythm Mission and sort of a lot of those art rock bands back in the day. And later went on to become quite a famous engineer and mixer in New York City. And he was in a very tragic car accident a couple of years ago, where the car he was in got T-boned, and Scotty was paralyzed basically from the waist down. And with no medical insurance and living in the United States, we thought that there was something that we could do to help to raise some money for him. So, you know, we rented out the old barn and put on a little show and all the local musicians came together and donated their time and their talent which is the way that it always worked back in the day and we had a great night at the Commodore that's almost two years ago now that that happened and Scotty um, sadly to say I'm not sure that he's ever going to be getting his feeling back in his legs but you know he's adapted to the life that he has right now and he's happy and back on track again and working so Nick Jones from the Point of Sticks playing tomorrow at the Rio Theater you have the song All Night and in that song on your new CD, there's the lyric, what went wrong? And I was thinking, what did go wrong with the Point of Sticks originally? What did go wrong? I never understood what went wrong. Well, I think we got to the point where things went very, very fast for us. From, I mean, we were very young. We were in our early 20s. And things developed very, very quickly for us. And we went from being a band that started as a joke in someone's basement to very quickly, you know, having a record contract with Stiff Records. And I think the pressure probably got to us, and, you know, we didn't deal with it in the best way that we possibly could have. And one thing sort of led to another, and, you know, we started sort of fumbling for direction, we changed some personnel members, and we kind of just it got to the point where it wasn't any fun for us anymore. How did you describe 
describe, or how would you describe, the later era pointed sticks? I actually saw some videotape of you guys performing very, very late pointed sticks. Dimwit was still on drums. I think he was on drums right to the end, wasn't he? He was, yes. Performing at a place called Shakers or Spinners in North Van. How would you describe that era? That was Whispers at 14th and Lonzo, which was the old Totem Theater, which I used to go to as a child when I was growing up. Uh, we called that the show band because we had a bass player who at one point had played with Elvis, Elvis, Elvis. And we also had Johnny Ferreira, Johnny Ferreira's sax machine or whatever he He's back it. on the new CD. You got him back on the new CD. He does play on the new CD and plays wonderfully on the new CD, too, I might say. Um, that was 14th and Lonsdale. 14th and Lonsdale, Whispers. And how did that gig go down? Because it looked like everybody was digging it. Uh, really? Yeah, like I saw some videotape of it. Everybody was dancing and having a good time. Well, they may have been, but I'm not so sure that we were. We did sort of have a fairly good time, but, you know, the band was just pulling in every different direction at that point. I mean, we weren't on the same page. You know, we were arguing amongst ourselves. It's the same thing that happens with bands, you know? I mean, I think if we could have gotten through that, then I think we would have been okay, but we just never managed to make it out of that. And... You know, and then we just, once we stopped playing, that was it. We stopped playing. We did not do any reunion gigs. There was no even hint or whiff of a pointed sticks reunion whatsoever for 25 years. Except possibly at the Vancouver Complication CD release, right? Correct. I wasn't there that night, but I believe Bill and Tony and Robert Bruce played the marching song together that night, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. But then a little thing called MySpace came around. Your daughter kind of helped with this reunion, didn't she? Didn't she get on MySpace and find out all these people were into the Pointed Sticks? you got to credit MySpace, don't you? Wasn't MySpace playing some part in the reunion at the Pointed Sticks? Well, I think MySpace sort of made us realize that people, there was actually people out there who still remembered us. Um, but I have to say, the driving, the driving force behind the reunion of the Pointed Sticks was, first off, Joe Keefley from Sudden Death. Um, re-release well first re-releasing Perfect Youth and then selling enough copies of Perfect Youth that he thought the time that he had there was enough market there to put a second record out which was the Waiting for the Real Thing compilation which is really a very nice compilation of all the early singles and some great unreleased stuff and after those two records that came out then Joe's distributor in Japan a guy named Toshio who runs an operation called Bass Records over there um, that was his initiative to ask if we would come over there and play. And, of course, we greeted that with hoots and hollers of laughter and preposterous and not a chance and Dimwit's dead and we won't be playing ever again. Um, but one thing just led to another, and he was very persistent about it. And eventually we agreed to do it, and, you know, here we are. <laughs> what about your daughter and MySpace? I heard that she was going through MySpace, and then she told you about all these people that rented appointed sticks, and she had no idea. She did. There was actually, when we first sort of figured out that MySpace existed, there was, I think, either three or four fan pages, pointed sticks fan pages that had been set up. People who, you know, had, had remembered the pointed sticks and had posted our songs and found some pictures and put some stuff up online. It was amazing. I had no idea, you know. Who did the artwork on the new LP CD, and we're speaking here to Nick Jones, Nick Jones, from the Pointed Sticks playing tomorrow night at the Rio Theater and tomorrow in the afternoon as well. Who did the artwork on the new LP? Uh, that would have been Richard Chapman from Northern Electric. Richard's sort of taken over as kind of our uh, compadre and uh, art director and general. He's a, he's a great cheerleader for our band. He's a guy who believes in our band very much and, and sort of spurs us on and encourages us to do. He's done all of, the, all of the posters and things since we've been back together again. He did the phenomenal cover. I don't know if you're familiar with the Japanese fan single that we did earlier. Uh, that's a couple of years ago now. He did the amazing, uh, you know, pretend airmail envelope artwork for that one, which 
I really love as well. Who has done artwork for the past for the Pointed Sticks? I was talking a bit about value of Pointed Sticks records, but the people that have done your art, they've gone on to some interesting careers, and their art is worth quite a bit. Like, maybe the art is worth more than the records. Well, two in particular. That would be Peter Schuff, who was a great... He was a Vancouver artist at the time. He's now an artist, musician, uh, living in Holland, but had a phase in New York as well. Peter did the artwork for the first Pointed Sticks single, What Do You Want Me To Do? And he's also the guy who did the banner that we're playing in front in Out of the Blue. Uh, there's a banner behind this behind the band uh, in, the, in Dennis Hopper's movie Out of the Blue, and Peter did that. Um, the Out of Luck single we kind of pieced together ourselves from pictures. The live single, the front cover, was by our manager Steve Macklem's brother, Tony Macklem, who I have no idea whatever became of him, or Steve for that matter. I don't know where Steve is these days or what he's doing. Um, and the back cover was done by a girl named Sheila Adams, which was very nice. And then Perfect Youth, which, of course, the cover by Mr. I. Brain Eater himself, Mr. Jim Cummings, did that. How about the real thing, Seven Inch? There's some guys on the back. That's us. That's you? Okay, I thought it was like some workers or something like that. That is actually you. Who designed the real thing, 7-Incher? We sort of did it ourselves. That was the one where we didn't really go to anybody else for outside art. I believe it was Macklem's idea for the front cover, the uh, the picture of the, the girl and the, the old picture of the girl and the, and the guy on the railroad track there, where she, uh, he's asking her a question in uh, in... Chinese, and the answer to it is the pointed sticks, and I can't tell, actually tell you what the question is. So. Nick Jones of the pointed sticks, did you use any old song ideas, riffs, or lyrics on the new pointed sticks CDLP? No, we didn't. Not one, like no lyric scrap or anything like that. No old riff that you've been having for years. Nope, all completely new, all right out of the out of the blue, and completely new creative ideas from us for that. Did you consider re-recording some of your older unreleased songs? No, we didn't. We thought about that maybe for about half a second, and then we kind of thought, well, what would be the point in that? And there are several people who actually thought that we should do that. So several people close to the band suggested that we should re-record some of the old songs, or re-record possibly some songs that we didn't do the best versions of. Like, I love Careless and Worse. I love Careless and Worse. Or were you satisfied with all the versions? that were done, whether they be live or studio? Oh, no, no, that's not necessarily true that we were satisfied. We just wanted this to be something different. But the two songs that you mentioned are two of the ones that we did consider, in particular Worse, which is a song that I always loved. And now you have a song called Scrambled Eggs. Uh, I don't know if the song is actually about scrambled eggs. It's titled Scrambled Eggs. But I loved it. Like, three songs in, there's something about scrambled eggs. That's awesome. You're also... You're also mentioning a lot about electronics on this LP, and we're speaking here to Nick Jones at a point of sticks playing tomorrow afternoon and evening at the Rio Theatre in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. A lot of electronics and sort of stuff. Like, for instance, you're going wireless, and then you mention electrics on the song On Fire as well. Well, you know, it's the, it's the electronic age that we're living in now, Nart. You know, you have to keep up with the times. Yeah. Well, I was thinking... Were those songs possibly allusions to your other very mysterious job of hanging around ACDC and the Rolling Stones? Well, it doesn't have anything to do with that. You know, ACDC, electrics, you know what I mean? That's what I was kind of thinking. Believe me, Nard, I can say it unequivocally, my other career has nothing to do with this career. There are no secret allusions on the record to the I secret career. You heard me, Nard. Nothing to do with this career. <laughs> I was flipping the channel a couple months ago, and it was a TV show on the history of Canadian pop in the 70s, and it had a little bit there on the pointed sticks. I don't know if you saw this at all. I have. 
And there was a clip of you guys on the Great Canadian Gold Rush. What was that? It was like the Great Canadian Gold Rush. It was this interesting footage. Is that where that's from? I didn't really know where that's from. Yeah, I didn't really know. And some amazing footage has, has been dug up of, of, of some stuff that we've had, you know, that was recorded of us. We did play on several television shows. Plenty Sticks were a band that, due to the nature of our band, we got on TV a lot more than anybody else did from back then. The Great Canadian Gold Rush, I don't remember that being on that one. I know we played on the Vancouver show at least twice, and I know we also played on another CBC show that was very short-lived, and it was called It's a Nice Show that was filmed down on Granville Island. Did you guys dig up any of that footage for possible DVD release? Uh, well, we haven't really done that yet, but uh, there's a couple of movie projects sort of in the, on the go about the Vancouver punk rock scene that they're not my projects, and they're not real. I'm not really at liberty to talk about them, but I know there is a couple of things on the go that have some of that footage going to be included in them. So tomorrow night at the Real Theatre and tomorrow in the afternoon. Actually, are the sets going to be the same for people listening to this interview right now? And you're listening to Nick Jones at A Point of Sticks live on the Nardward Human Serviette Radio Show on CITR FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Are the sets going to be the same? Nope. <laughs> Will there be any covers? Uh, well, they'll probably... I don't really think there's going to be any. We have so many songs of our own that, you know, if there's a cover, you kind of know what cover that's going to be. If we play a cover, you know, you, I don't need to spell it out, but I think you know what cover we'll be playing if we play one. Well, I was wondering about It Hurts to Be In Love. How about that tune? Well, that was a good one. We played that in our very first show ever. Uh, that was in the set list of the very first show ever, but it won't be in the set list tomorrow, uh, tomorrow night. And that's a Gene Pitney tune, right? It is. We love Gene Pitney. How did you discover him, and how did that one go over when you played it live? Because Gene Pitney wasn't too punk. Well, I think he is punk now, but he probably wasn't too punk back then. How did that one go over? Back in the day, it went over fantastic. People used to love that. It's a great song. It hurts to be in love. I mean, think of the sentiment to the song. It's a universal sentiment. Nard, it hurts to be in love. You know that as much as anybody. So, Nick Jones of the Point of Sticks. Other records. You have this brand new CD that's out right now called... Three lefts make a right. Which, if you draw it out on a piece of paper, three lefts actually do make a right. I was looking at your discography, and there's another record, Raw Power Pop. What is that? Raw Power Pop is basically, it's a sort of a compilation of live songs from the first probably six or seven gigs that we did. Like from Japan, from Richards, from Toronto. Uh, I think there's a song or two from the Red Room there and from the New York City Power Pop Festival, too. Where was that released? That was released to, to very little fanfare probably about a year ago. And I also noticed All My Clocks Stopped. What was that song? And it's on some comp out of Sweden? Oh, yep, that would be right. That was a, a very, uh, you know, a kind of strange email that I got from a Swedish fan who runs his own label over there, and his thing is to release, well, you know, pop gems. Most of the stuff that's on the same record that are, that All My Clocks got on, I think is, is contemporary pop bands. But he asked for a song from us, and, you know, that was the one that we found. It was a song that we played quite a few times back in the day, but most people would not be familiar with it, and there's no other recorded version that's ever been released of that song. Where was that version recorded? Uh, if I'm not mistaken, probably at Saber Sound, the same studio where the Vancouver Complication album is recorded. Nick Jones of The Pointed Sticks, you're obviously a very learned man, and I understand before The Pointed Sticks started, you actually traveled to England to soak up punk rock, and you worked in a punk rock store. What did you see or do in England before The Pointed Sticks started? 
Well, I don't think that that was entirely my intention. I think the real reason that I went to England to uh, was I, I quit university and ran away from home. Essentially, the you know the pressures of trying to be a successful young man and uh, and the pressures of you know it was romantic pressures at the same time. And I just went, this is it, I can't take anymore. And I went to England. I mean, I was already familiar with punk rock music before we went there, but I mean, it was a perfect time. We're talking. I moved there in I think probably August of 1977, which couldn't really have been a better time to have been there for punk rock. So I saw. The Buzzcocks, the Adverse, the Clash, the Jam, you know, the Damned, every one of those bands. Every one of the bands except for the Pistols, really, I saw in their prime in the UK. Did you get to know anybody there? Pardon me? Sorry? Did you get to know anybody there? Like, did you meet any of the bands? Oh, no. No, I was, you know, I was 19 years very, very shy. I was watching this from the perimeter, you know. But when, when, you... I came, when I came back to Vancouver, I found that my friends who had discovered punk sort of at the same time as me were all of a sudden involved in it. When I came back, like like Bill, for example, was already playing with Tim Ray in AV, and Vancouver had started to begin to see with DOA and, you know, the the Rabbit, the early subhuman, and, of course, you know, the phenomenal dish rags as well. What about the Furies or the Shades? Did you ever see them at all? Because the Furies were the first punk band in Vancouver. What was the connection between the Furies and the Pointed Sticks, other than the dish rags? Well, there wasn't really a connection between the Furies and the Pointed Sticks, and they had broken up before I came back. But shortly after I came back, Chris Arnett, the leader of the Furies, re-emerged with the Shades. And of course, now he has the Furies back together again. And the Modernettes are back together in. Uh, the Modernettes, in some description, are back together again as well. I've actually heard some of uh, some of Buck's uh, new material that uh, hasn't come out yet. You know, he's been recording for quite a while now. We refer to his record as Chilliwack Democracy because he hasn't actually, uh, you know, it could be coming, it could be like Axel's record. It may be a long time before we see the light of day. <laughs> he's working on the movie, the movie, right? <laughs> I don't know what Buck's working on. I haven't seen him in ages, but I'm hoping... The movie about his book. I think there's some movie coming out about his book. What, uh, Guilty of Everything? Yes, that's been optioned off. Guilty of making up some pretty good stories is what he's guilty of. <laughs> boom So when you arrived, Nick Jones at a point of sticks, playing tomorrow at the Rio Theater in the afternoon, and in the evening, brand new pointed sticks CD out now of new material, brand new material. We want to reiterate that, right? Right, yes, and we'll be playing just about everything off it over the course of the two shows. What was it like then in Vancouver at that time? I think I heard that you once went to see like a Chuck Berry show at a car dealership. Like Chuck Berry would come to town and he'd play a car dealership. That's a lot different than Vancouver now, isn't it? Uh, I think so. And yeah, now he'd be at the Red Robinson Theater and it would be $90 to see him play. But he played for free at a car dealership. And uh, that was actually, that, the day of that gig, I don't know, there's some footage out there. There's actually a video of us playing The Witch. And it was filmed out on the street in Gastown outside an old store there called Baghead. And it was, we were allowed to do, I don't know, it's something, again, you would never be allowed to do nowadays. But we played for free out in the street down in Gastown. And there must have been a thousand people in the streets in Gastown. What was the era like back then, like that Chuck Berry Vancouver era at that time, for the other bands that weren't punk? For the other bands that weren't punk? I don't know. We didn't pay any attention to the other bands that weren't punk. We had our own scene, and that's what we, that's, you know, there was us, and it grew, you know, from the, from the beginning, when I first came back from England at a hall gig, there might have been 100 people, and then within two months, there was 200 people, and then three and 400 people. Until finally, the one that really put it over the top was a gig that we did at O'Hara's. It was a Valentine's Day dance at O'Hara's. It was called the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. 
And, you know, the promoters put it on. It was us, the subhumans, and the dish rags. And they were expecting to sell maybe about three or 400 tickets. And they ended up selling 1,000 tickets at this place called O'Hara's, which was phenomenal. It was an old barn at the foot of Main Street, and it was out on a pier. So the actual place where you were playing was, was over water. It was a big, huge old barn that held 1,000 people. And that night, we filled that place with 1,000 people. And there was a lot of people who came from the suburbs, and it ended up in a riot, and people got hurt, and the police came, and it was, it was at that point we kind of went, okay, well, you know, we're getting someone's attention here now, so. You never really liked the Smiling Buddha, did you, Nick Jones, at Appointed Sticks? Appointed Sticks never played the Smiling Buddha, but I played there many times with Rude Norton and, and maybe some other. I, I think everybody in the band played at the Smiling Buddha at some point or another, but Appointed Sticks never did play there, though. However, Igor makes an appearance on the brand new CD. Sure does. Sure Igor does. was the doorman of the Smiling Buddha who would tell stories about Jimi Hendrix? Uh, well, Glassman, was the owner of the Smiling Buddha, was more the one who would tell the stories of Hendrix. Igor really, you know, his vocabulary was more limited to gut ID and that sort of thing and throwing people out. And, you know, Igor was a monster. He was a Yugoslavian, about six foot seven, probably in about 300 pounds. He used to wear this really nice Czech sport jacket to work, and uh, he would stand at the door, and that's who you had to get through if you wanted to get into the Smiling Buddha. But believe you me, he was not uh, he was not an impenetrable forest because many 14-year-olds <laughs> spent time in the Smiling Buddha back then. People like No, no Exit and the Dish Rags and all of those bands were all in there long before they were... And Chuck Biscuits. And Chuck Biscuits, of course. Did you ever see Black Flag at the Buddha? Sure. Black Flag played the Buddha. Yeah, absolutely. Red Hot Chili Peppers played the Buddha as well. What did you think of Black Flag? Uh, you know, good L.A. punk band. Not really my style, though. You know, at that point, that was that whole California sound was what really sort of sort of led the way towards the sort of hardcore where it was just, you know, it was just anger and the audience was all male and it was just rib the, the pogoing and the slam dancing was more, it was much more violent than, than the kind of shuffling around and gentle pushing that we had at our Vancouver gigs. How come you never run the bill with, like, Black Flag or you didn't play Hardcore 81 or something like that because you had broken up by then? Well, we weren't hardcore to start with, you know. I don't think that would have been the right bill for us. We were better suited on bills with the Modernettes or the Young Canadians or the Dish Rags or, you know, bands along those lines, I think. And it's okay for me to ask these questions because you have a song, Nick Jones, of the Pointed Sticks on your brand new CD called Sentimental Fool. That's true. We do have a song called Sentimental Fool. And you called me a sentimental fool. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it's, 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 there's nothing wrong with being a sentimental fool. I mean, I don't think the point is to picture a band that just strictly one, ever wanted to trade off the legacy that we had, but the legacy that we had was pretty important and pretty great in, the same, in its own way anyway, you know? Not necessarily our legacy, but the legacy of all of the bands that were involved with that scene back then, because... Uh, if that scene hadn't have been so special, people wouldn't be talking about it still to this day. I mean, people are not talking about the 1987 music scene in Vancouver or the 1993 music scene. Although Death Sentence did just do a reunion the other day. Sure. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. So maybe wait 10 years and then they'll be talking about it. Well, I think that's more of an individual kind of thing. But with ours, you know, ours was, it was almost like a musical collective long before there was ever any broken social scenes or any of that sort of kind of thing. Because we all did play with each other in different bands as well, except we called them... I can't say this word on CITR air, but you know what we called them. And fuck bands. Fuck bands. If we can say it, then let's say it. Fuck bands. And that was, uh, you know, that's where the legendary Bud Luxford came into play because he was the entrepreneur that managed to, managed to, uh, you know, basically, uh, 
get those punks get those fuck bands into a situation where he made two records with his face on the front cover and called them Bud Luxford Presents, even though he never played an instrument. Nick Jones, sentimental fool. Let's get sentimental for a moment. The Clash coming to town. What do you remember about The Clash coming to town? You know, picking Vancouver as a starting point for their North American tour, their first ever North American tour. You were playing that night. Weren't the Point of Sticks playing that night at the Quadra Club? No, not that night. We played uh, not the Quadra Club and not that night. It was a club called Windmill on Granville Street. And we played uh, about the, probably the night before or possibly two nights before. The class were here probably two or three days beforehand. We actually had a game of football, or as the English like to call it, football. We call it soccer, out in uh, out in uh, Kitsilano, at a field out in Kitsilano, which was us against the Clash. Uh, they defeated us on the scoreboard, but I think we defeated them in the physical battle. So um, that would have been people like John Doe, Simon Wilde, Eric Von Schlippen, those kind of people were involved in that. Too. Did, they the to, did they come to a point of sticks gig? Because I heard that some of the local punks were afraid that the Clash would see the pointed sticks before they'd see the local punk band Rabid. Hmm, well, that's funny. some people in the Rabbit might have been afraid of that, you know. I mean, that's, I think some people, it was beginning at that point, we were beginning to get a little bit of a pointed sticks backlash because we were pop and not punk, you know, and some people, some people just attached like really stupid sort of limits to, the, to names and things like that, you know, but that was never what our scene was ever about. We were just as happy to hang out. I was just as happy to go see the Rabbit as the Rabbit were to come see us. So did the class check out any of the local bands? They saw us, they saw the Rabbit, and of course, uh, the night that they played, they saw the dish rags because it was the dish rags were first on the bill that night. How long did it take for them to learn that they were going to be opening for the Clash? Was it just like right then and there they found out or was it weeks well, in advance? Oh, I think they knew a little bit in advance because that was the point where Periscope were just starting to come into operation and they were bringing all the punk bands in. So every band got a turn. Like we got to open for Devo, uh, private school got to open for the police. DOA got to open for the Ramones. Um, I can't remember who it was. Somebody opened for Blondie, too, but I can't remember who it was that opened for Blondie. The Subhumans got a gig maybe with the Jam or something, I think. I can't remember. And it was the Dish Rags turn when the Clash came. They got the best one of all. That was a great night, the Clash with the Commodore. There had to have been 5,000. No, there was a lot more than 1,200 people in the Commodore that night, though, I'll guarantee you. So when the Clash shot a point of sticks, who was drumming for you, Nick Jones? Was it Chuck Biscuits? Nope, Ian Tileson. Was Chuck Biscuits ever in the Point of Sticks? Probably, maybe, after Ian left and before Gordon Robert joined, Chuck Biscuits probably played, I'm going to say no more than four gigs, but possibly as few as two gigs with the Point of Sticks. You mentioned Nick Jones, the movie Out of the Blue. You found quite a few copies of that on DVD over the years, haven't you? Oh, I've seen a few copies of it. Yeah, it's been released and re-released. Unfortunately, I've never gotten any money from it, but, you know. <laughs> How exactly did they do the sound on that? You can see that on YouTube, you know, the Point of Sticks playing at the Viking Hall. It looks like an amazing gig there. How did they do the sound on that? Was it many takes? Were there many Hollywood guys around, or was it a lot of fun to shoot that? No, the real reason why it sounds so crappy on that is because the, the, uh, the studio version of it is overdubbed over top of the live sound, which is the reason why it sounds all out of sync and all weird. It's annoyed me for years, but... You know, that's, you know, you have to accept the things that you cannot change, right? Well, I guess I was curious, what did they originally want to happen? Were they going to say, we're going to use the live sound, and then later they, they overdubbed they it? They never said anything, really. Our involvement with that was like, we showed up, we played, and then, you know, we didn't really have much to do with it after that. It's some great footage, and it looks like it was a lot of fun. It looks like you oh, could do whatever you wanted to, pretty much. If you, if you freeze frame that, you get to see pretty much every classic Vancouver punk is in the freeze frame of that. So. 
And winding up here, Nick Jones of the Pointed Sticks, playing tomorrow afternoon and evening at the Rio Theatre in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, for songs and stuff. What do you think is your favorite Vancouver song, other than any Pointed Sticks song? Would it be the Dish Rags, Death in the Family? Didn't you guys cover that at one time? Is that like your favorite song, not by the Pointed Sticks, done by a Vancouver band, Death in the Family, by the Dish Rags? Pretty hard to pick a favorite song. I mean, you know, there, there's hundreds of my favorite songs. You know, You Jerk Work for Police, uh, Dying in Brooklyn by A.V., you know, uh, Death Was Too Kind by the Subhumans, Confidential by the Modernettes. There's thousands of great Vancouver songs. How about so Death like, in the Family? Did you guys cover any local bands? We did play Death in the Family. We actually played Confidential a couple of times as well back in the day. So, How did yeah. you learn that? Just from going to the gig? Or did he give you the lyrics? How did that all happen? Uh, well, you know, I mean... We were all hanging around with each other all the time. I mean, Buck was my next-door neighbor at the time. So, And the dish rags, you know, Bill's married to a dish rag, so it wasn't too hard for us to get the, to figure out how to, how to play that song. So. You guys also, you pointed sticks, also did a gig with the Avengers. What do you remember about that gig with the Avengers? I think it was like the Avengers, the Subhumans, and the pointed sticks very, very early. And I think there might even be photos on your MySpace. You had, like, a guy called Colin in the band at that time. Like, the Avengers! Yes, yes. Uh, the Avengers, um, in my opinion, the Avengers, you know, they crashed and burned pretty quickly, but I would have to say that the, the Avengers were right behind the Ramones as the, the best American punk band ever. So. We also noticed, and we are the listeners of CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and analyzing the point of sticks over the years, that you guys did a song called I Quit School at that time. How come you never really recorded that song? I love the song I Quit School by the Pointed Sticks. Because we wanted to leave it for you and the evaporators to record. <laughs> I really enjoyed that one. It's amazing. How many versions of Pointed Sticks songs are there out there? It seems like there's quite a few on YouTube. Have you discovered any more covers of Pointed Sticks? Well, there's tons of Out of Luck. Like, I would say, you know, the tons of bands have covered Out of Luck, and probably like at least four or five have actually recorded it. So that would be the one, the most covered one. Um, you know, there's a few others out there. There's the occasional What Do You Want Me To Do. Um, the Odds, the new Odds last year actually did quite a nice cover of The Real Thing. They sort of jazzed that up a little bit. So they, uh, you know, Craig Northey's a buddy of mine, and they've been playing that song live. So. And I've been trying to get the lyrics for Real Thing, and I thought they went, Mr. Tambaline, towering so high above must be extreme. But you say it wasn't Mr. Tambaline. Mr. Tand and Lean. Yes, I thought it was Mr. Tambaline. This sounded good, you know. The tambourine, and they like Mr. Tambourine. Yeah, that's what I thought, like Mr. Tambourine. I think I'll have to steal that, Nart. Now, also, the second line of The Real Thing by the Pointed Sticks performed most likely tomorrow at the Rio Theater in the afternoon what? and we evening. Have play, we have to play The Real Thing tomorrow? You're kidding. We thought we were just going to get to play all new songs. Transcendental Take Me Blabber Mr. European. That was another line that I tried to get. How is that right? That's, yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> Transcendental Take Me Blabber Mr. European. Yep, yep, perfect. You got it right. <laughs> what is that really? That's been bugging me. Mr. Tambaline, town so high above, must be extreme. Transcendental Take Me Blabber. Well, you know what, Nard? Those lyrics are, are, you know, I always thought that was the greatest thing about songs. And, you know, that was the thing that I always liked before videos came out, was that people interpreted a song based on what they heard the lyrics as. But once there was a video, you know, and a little stupid little story behind it, then you were never able to make up your own mind about what a song was about. So if that's what you think the lyrics are, 
that's what they are. I was going to ask you, what is the song about? Uh, what's it about? I don't know. Ask Steve Macklem. He wrote the lyrics. I wrote the music, and I had the music forever before we had ever had lyrics to it. We, we called it the cowboy song, and we used to play it instrumentally all the time. But uh, Steve Macklem wrote the lyrics for that. So. On your website, you also have a lot of lyrics, and the lyrics of the marching song are there, and it mentions Germany 1943. I never heard that the first time around. Yeah, that was a bit, yeah, yeah, yep, 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 yeah. That's sort of like a, it's sort of a, a piss take on the sort of Elsa She-Wolf of the SS kind of B-horror, B, you know, B-movie kind of thing, so. So you have it, this it, it, it certainly doesn't point, paint the point of sticks as being Nazi sympathizers, if that's what you're asking, so. You have the gigs happening tomorrow at the Rio Theater. Any plans for gigs anywhere else, like L.A. or San Francisco? Well, you know, that's all up in the air. I have to say, at this point, we're not thinking any further than the gigs tomorrow night. It's been a lot of work for us to get to the point where we are right now, putting out a record. I mean, putting out a record for five guys who all, you know, have families or jobs or careers and live in different parts of the, you know, I live in on Vancouver Island. So it's it wasn't easy to make a record. And so we wanted to concentrate all our energies. We haven't played live in a year and a half. So we were just basically concentrating all our energies on getting the record as good as as good as it could be, and I think that it is as good as it, you know, I think it's great. I'm really proud of it, and everybody in the band is really proud of it. Because the, we the West Coast is quite familiar with the Point of Sticks from the jaunts you did there before. I saw that you played with the DKs and the Buzzcocks on the same gig. That seemed pretty incredible. Not a bad bill. Was there pokoing going on then? Uh, it was awesome, yeah. That night was a, that was in Jim Jones's old place, Jim Jones's old church before he moved to uh, Guiana in San Francisco. We did play in San Francisco and lots, and all up and down the West Coast. We did play a lot. And, you know, of course we would love to go and play those gigs. Are, are they going to happen? I mean, at this point, there's nothing, there's nothing concrete beyond. We're just going to get these gigs done, play as good as we can, have as great a time as we can, and hopefully put on as good a show as we can. And then, you know, after that, then we'll address, we'll address what, what comes after that when, when we get to it. That's sort of the way we've been approaching our whole time since we got back together again was not making too many plans and not trying to think too far into the future. We have had some great gigs since you've got back together, like you played with Nikki Corvette. Nikki Corvette! Yeah, Nikki Corvette. We did play with Nikki Corvette. We played with, like, uh, the Yum Yums. We played with 2020. We played with, on those Power Pop uh, festivals. We did two. We did one in uh, New York, and we did one in Austin, Texas. I thought it was amazing to play with Nikki Corvette, because there was that rumor going around that you had an affair with Rachel Sweet. And Nikki Corvette, Rachel Sweet, I kind of thought of the same sort of thing there. And you actually ended up playing with Nikki Corvette in Austin. And what about the boys? You played with the boys in a Paul Collins beat. Yes. Pardon me, sorry, I'm just watching something on the computer. We played with who? The boys? Yes, the boys. And the Paul Collins beat, that was all at the Austin Music Festival. Who played bass for you at that festival? Uh, Ron Allen, the old bass player for the Subhumans, and for he was in the Bonus Boys as well. Uh, the Bonus Boys. The Cover Boys. Cover Boys, that's right. She's a jerk, jerk. Believe it or not, that, that song, Nick Jones, of the Point of Sticks, actually sells for about like $75 to $150 now. The cover boys. It wasn't a bad, it wasn't bad. It was a nice Zulu 12 inch. It was very, I mean, it was a 7 inch. On your trips up and down the West Coast in the 70s, early 80s, you did play with some incredible bands, like you played with the Wipers in Portland. Do you remember that, the Wipers? Yes, I do. The mighty, mighty talented Greg Sage. Yes, we did play with the Wipers in Portland. We played with the Plastics. We played with the Dills. We played Contractions. We played with the Contours. No, not the Contortions. Uh, you know, we played with all sorts of, there were so many good bands going on during that period. That period of time. It sounded like there could be no problems. Like, you probably had a great time. Was there anything bad about touring the West?
West Coast back. Sounds like every gig was great. Uh, pretty good. Well, not every gig was great. You'd play Sacramento on a Tuesday night to some biker bar, and there would just be, you know, ten punks and a bunch of Vietnam, angry Vietnam veterans uh, in the back of the bar throwing throwing stuff at you, you know. So it wasn't all peaches and cream, but I got to tell you, you know, for 20-year-old kids in a van running up and down the West Coast, it was pretty great fun. Five dollars a day, that's what we got. How about the L.A. gigs? Did you meet, like, music moguls? I know you met Kim Fowley, who famously said, quote, give me two weeks, and Bill Napier Hemi, guitarist at a point of sticks, will be on the front page of every teeny bopper magazine in the country. Well, Kim Fowley says a lot of things. Yes, we did. L.A., the L.A. punk scene, it wasn't quite as welcoming as some of the others. It, you know, at that point in L.A., you know, drugs were, they had a pretty strong hold on what, what was going on down there at that time. You know, and the music business guys, the Kim Fowley side of guys, who we sort of flirted with that side of it as well, they were all cokeheads, and the punks were all heroin addicts. So, you know, and we were just a bunch of, like, Canadians who liked our beer more than anything else. So, Did you get any offers from American labels? Like, I heard that Sire was interested before you ended up signing with Stiff Records in England. Sire were interested. Yes, they were. Yeah, we uh, we had some meetings with Seymour Stein, and of course, later on, that led to Katie Lang being signed with Sire through the Steve Macklin connection, if I'm not mistaken. So you're responsible for Katie Lang? Uh, Indirectly, the pointed sticks are responsible for Katie Lang. Well, I think, you know, you could say that uh, Sire Records became introduced to Canadian music through the Pointed Sticks and then later signed Katie Lang. Yes, if that's what you want to say, sure. You can draw that line. It's like a Kevin Bacon game or something, right? And finally, all the stiff recordings are out there now, aren't they? If people are interested in buying the new Pointed Sticks, they can head on down to the gig tomorrow at the Rio Theatre. Both gigs, one afternoon, one evening gig. But there's also some stiff recordings that were super rare, like Grant from Zulu like was the only one that had a copy. We can't tell people about the stiff recordings the rareness of them, and now they're out officially, eh? Well, actually, the only tape that we knew of that existed of the stiff recordings was Phil Smith had a cassette tape of that, which is where the re-record, the re- sort of remastered. Gord took it into his studio and he did some nice tweaking on the uh, on the stiff tapes and uh, that's what ended up. It was released by Toshio, the same person who was responsible for us going to Japan and it was released in Japan on his label, Bass Records. Although I believe we may have a few of them available for sale tomorrow night. It was a quite a limited edition. And, yes. and a new CD LP is on Northern Electric. When did you first meet Richard? Uh, we first, Ian, Ian and Richard are quite good friends. And, you know, I've always kind of thought that Northern Electric was sort of an interesting kind of cooperative. They were doing some nice stuff, you know, and, uh, and, uh, it worked out really good. The, the conduct, the, you know, working together with them worked out really good for us, I have to say. Yeah. How much... How much stuff is still out there? For instance, I found a whole bunch of, like, radio sessions and bootlegs and live tapes, you guys. Like, one of them, you guys playing at the Rock Room? Where was that? In Edmonton. It's, like, fresh from signing a deal with Stiff Records. It's the Point and Sticks. Welcome to the Rock Room. Where was... Is that Edmonton? Yeah, Edmonton. Uh, yeah, the big R in the sky. It was on the south side of Edmonton. Yep, the Riviera Rock Room. Great place. We played there tons of times. Edmonton was always another good town for the Pointed Sticks, and that's also a place where hopefully we're going to get a chance to play. You know, we want to do an Edmonton-Calgary weekend because we've played out there a lot. Do you have a copy of that show? Do you know the one I'm referring to? I do, yep. Who was in the band at that time? Uh, it was the uh, basically the, the classic Pointed Sticks lineup with Dimwit on drums. So me, Tony, Bill, Gord, and Dimwit. It seems for a band that wasn't really around that long, you had tons of studio stuff, tons of live stuff. You guys really were taping. Uh, yeah, we were taping. We were working, you know. We were a working band. You know, we we got pretty close to actually making it, Nard. So, you know. Well, I think it's great. Like, before you went to England, you just banged off a whole bunch of songs at, like, the CBC or something like that, right? Didn't you? Just yeah. for practice. And those tunes actually turned out better than some of the stuff you did in England? 
Well, the English stuff, you know, it's it's hard to say. I mean, it's hard for me to have a have a, an objective view of all of that stuff we did back then. I have to say, if you go back to it, my favorite stuff of all of the stuff we did back then are the three original singles that we did. That's my favorite. I mean, there's stuff. There's lots of good, there's lots of good songs on Perfect Youth, but also some songs on Perfect Youth that I think you know didn't really weren't, weren't as good as some other material. Well, thanks so much for your time, Nick Jones of the Pointed Sticks, playing tomorrow. Maybe we should give the details one more time, the specific times for the gigs tomorrow at the Rio Theater. Okay, first gig, afternoon gig, is underages, is an all-ages gig, tickets are $15, doors open at 2, pretty vanilla on stage at 2.30, followed by the fabulous Evaporators, followed by the Pointed Sticks. And then there's an evening show, $20 to get in, doors at 9 o'clock, 9.30 is the Strange Magic, followed by the TVs, followed by the Pointed Sticks. And the Rio Theater is on the, it's on Broadway Street, just slightly west of Commercial, so plenty of bus links going either way along Broadway or along Commercial, or you could also go down uh, by the SkyTrain to get there, and it's the real theater, and it's on the south side of the street, south side of Broadway. And we're going to end the Nardwarty Human Serviette radio show with Igor Sed from your brand new CD here. So thanks for phoning into the Nardwarty Human Serviette radio show, Nick Jones at a point six. Anything else you want to add to the people out there at all? Uh, how about this one? Doot, 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 doot. Uh, almost, Nick Jones. Doot, 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 doot. Doot, doot. And I remember 
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Rock Room. This is a personal pleasure of mine because these guys have been a favorite of ours for a long, long time. They've just come back from a series of dates on the west coast of Canada and the US and Britain. Would you please welcome stiff recording artists, The Pointed Stint.
be hot down there. No, 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 no. It's easy. You merely flush the handle, the turtle will disappear. You tell the ah! He's you know that's not too good for radio. No, no. Anyway, anybody that's listening at home, you must realize that that's Dimwit. He's our drummer. He's very big, but he has a very small brain. This song's called True Love. Young love. Dedicated to the aliens, the band that played before us. This song is about illegally young guys. Say hello to your mums and dads if you want on the radio. Yep. Yell your name as loud as you can. What do you want to say? Hi, mom. Said, Fuck Hi, you, mom. No swearing, please. It's a slow weeper, so grab your girlfriend's bum. Hello, mom and dad, you didn't understand. 
the next song is Careless.
listen to Maybe soon the master's gonna come When he doesn't tell you something I won't cry at all But to love it's fucked Who gets to say with a time And I know Excuse me I was born to Time, I'd like to turn you over to the more than capable Mr. Gordon Nicol on keyboards. Imagine you're very poor. Yeah. 
Please. And you're asking me to love you, please